Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Bill Handel on demand from KFI AM 640. Some people have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, depressed mood while taking or after stopping. Bill Handel. If you notice agitation, hostility, depression, or changes in behavior, thinking, or mood that are not typical for you, stop Bill Handel and call your doctor right away. And now, here's Bill Handel. KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Bill Handel here on a Wednesday hump day. Uh, a couple things that are happening uh, that we are following and that are trending. Dozens of industry leaders and academics in the field of artificial intelligence have called for greater global attention to possible threat of extinction from AI. Uh, I have never seen, you haven't either, never seen the fear of people who have created an industry that afraid of it. It's almost like uh, the people who created the computer industry uh, developed software at the beginning of uh, the entire computer world saying, we have to watch out. This could literally kill us, wipe out society as we know it. It's pretty scary stuff. You've been hearing that a lot. And uh, in that beating of the three Marines in San Clemente, a horrible beating, Memorial Day, 19s have already been arrested and they're looking for more. Have you ever heard the term house poor? Uh, one quarter of homeowners in the United States are house poor. And uh, in Southern California, it's close to one half. And what does that mean? Well, that means you're spending more than 30% of your income, your entire income on housing costs. And people think that's okay, mortgage or rent. Oh, no, no, it goes way beyond that. Because when we're talking about housing costs, we're talking about taxes, utilities, maintenance. That should be no more than 30% of a mortgage. Now, uh, Chamber of Commerce, that's a company. Uh, it's a product research company for real estate, uh, the entire real estate industry. Grab numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau. So this is not just they're making it up. To analyze uh, the monthly housing costs and median household income in the U.S. And they grabbed 170 of the most populated U.S. cities. And if you look at it across the board, uh, about 28% of all homeowners are cost burdened or cost uh, poor or house poor. Uh, that is, uh, they spend a lot more than that 30%. As you would guess, Miami, LA, New York City have the highest number, more than four in 10 homeowners in each city. We're close to five in 10, we're there in the fours. Uh, and with the exception of New York City, the two places, and that's no surprise that uh, the number of house poor people are at the highest, California or Florida. And a lot of it has to do with mortgage rates. If you've bought a house, well, if you bought a house uh, and at the beginning of the pandemic, your rates, I mean, you were getting 3% money. In some cases, 2.75% money. You are set. You're not moving for a long time, if ever. Well, in 2022, it went past 7%. Now it's come down 
a bit, but we're still looking at it going up. Uh, and therefore, values are just uh, either below or uh, or they're or they've uh, flattened out. And it is very tough. And homeowners are saddled with higher mortgage rates. If you got your home loan after the beginning of the pandemic, uh, now add to that inflation, skyrocketing inflation, stagnating wages. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, Americans owed trillions of dollars less than they do now. And what happens with higher co uh, housing costs? Well, that leaves less money for everything else, savings, spending, emergencies, retirement. And it's, just, it's not just homeowners. For those of you that rent, look at the rents. They keep on going up and up. And so you have all of these people who are house poor. That 30% rule uh, is a very long time piece of finance gospel uh, that were given that have been followed by all lenders for as far as I can remember it. And so that 30% rule, as I've said, that does not just include the rent or your mortgage, which I always considered, it's everything. And it's, it's tough to get there, especially in Southern California, where the prices are astronomical. I think LA, the median price is what, 800 and something, Orange County, 870,000 Orange County, it's a little bit higher than that. And LA, New York mirror that. Here's an interesting one. Miami went the other way. It's the only city that went the other way among the top 170 population centers. So what is going on? What's next? Well, you've got the Federal Reserve fighting this battle against inflation, sometimes right, sometimes wrong, has increased interest rates every month since March of 2022. Now, keep in mind that it's not automatic that the Fed sets mortgage rates at all. It has nothing to do with mortgage rates, but the home loans are connected to what the Fed does. And now the central bank, the Fed, is signaling that after nearly a year of these rate increases, a break. A break could be on the horizon for us. And boy, is it so desperately needed, to say the least. Now, I'm going to tell you uh, a story, or uh, recovering a story, and I'm sure you know about, and that's American cities. Big American cities uh, and people have moved away. Because if you worked for a major corporation and you worked for, and you, you worked in the office for the most part, right? Uh, when we talk about remote, uh, remote work that was just starting uh, to gain some traction uh, because uh, it was just easier to deal with it. You had, everybody had uh, broad, uh, uh, broadband internet and it just, it was happening. And then the pandemic just turboed it where the number of people who are, have and are doing uh, work from home has skyrocketed. It's coming back a little bit too. There are a lot of corporations say, oh, no, 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 you're coming back. This one, iHeart, uh, this building uh, where I work with radio stations, it used to be, obviously, during uh, the pandemic, no one came to work. All the office staff stayed away. And now, and I do, I work with the sales department, so I go down the hall all the time and talk to them. Now it's three days a week mandatory in the office. And so remote work is still accepted. So you would think because people moved away from very expensive housing 
in the city close to corporations because very few major corporations are out in the suburbs. They're in the cities. So whole office towers are empty and nearby businesses are struggling to pay their bills. That's logical. And the residential neighborhoods are really bustling. That's logical. The pandemic has shifted the center of gravity, the urban center of gravity, moving away from office districts to neighborhoods with apartments and bars and restaurants. And when you go outside the city, apartments are cheaper, housing is cheaper, bars are cheaper, restaurants are cheaper. So what's going on? Well, what's really interesting, and uh, we're just getting this, uh, this story, and uh, this is, uh, of course, uh, this is science. These are surveys that are taking is that it literally the pandemic and remote work has really done not a lot to the overall appeal of major cities, New York, Chicago, LA, and that's data, foot traffic, rent data. Uh, even though the pandemic has shifted the uh, center of gravity, people are still coming back. They wanna be in the city. They're not necessarily coming into the office. They like doing remote work. I mean, there is nothing like uh, sitting in front of a computer, a computer uh, doing a Zoom call without your pants on. It's hard to go into the office uh, command, uh, commando, just the lower half, of course. And uh, have I ever done that? I've had meetings where I was in uh, just a, a really nice open neck shirt and uh, I have a sports coat on and uh, I'm in my underwear. Uh, you can do that. So uh, according to a specialist in city planning at the University of Toronto, a guy named Richard uh, Flor <laughs> Florida, uh, the, which is probably Florida, uh, we're now back to what cities really are. They're not containers for working. They're containers for people to live in where it used to be, where people would live and have access to bars and restaurants, et cetera. Well, they're all coming back. Those bars and restaurants are coming back while at the same time, the office buildings aren't doing so well. At the height of the pandemic, analysts, some of them, a lot of them predicted that the big cities would go right into a downward spiral as remote workers sought more space, cheaper places to live. That happened to some degree, but it didn't last. It's going the other way. And remote uh, working is still very high on uh, the list of what people want to do and are doing. And uh, the big metropolitan areas lost a ton of population during the first year. A lot of it had to do with the drop in immigration, too. And all of those losses, those drops have since slowed or reversed in terms of where people live. Residential neighborhoods benefit from remote work. I mean, that, that's a given. People are spending more time at home, which means that they're going to local shops and they're going to gyms and they're going to restaurants and boosting the economy of the suburbs. There's data from a company called Placer.ai, tracks people movements based on cell phone usage, shows a big divide between office and residential districts. For example, LA, downtown LA, foot traffic is 30% below pre-pandemic levels. In Chicago, the downtown area, that's almost 30% lower. Now, if you go to Glendale, South Glendale, for example, near uh, the studio, Highland Park, 
which is uh, right up near um, Pasadena, on the way to Pasadena. Uh, foot traffic has been rising, and it's almost back to pre-pandemic levels, and it keeps on going up. And food delivery, uh, as you can imagine, uh, this is according to Grubhub. This is information that Grubhub came up with. In 2019, 95% of uh, the corporate lunch orders came from the business district. Uh, and this year, it's down to 85%. It's dropped 10%, and that is a lot. So now we go to rent data. And that attests to a strong demand for city living. People want to come back and live in the city. They just don't want to work in the city. They don't want to go to the offices. What they want to do is work at home, do what they've been doing, uh, hang around the house, uh, look at the kids, uh, take a break whenever they want, take half hour off, and they want to work uh, longer hours, they can. And uh, so the trend is exactly what we thought. Office buildings are empty, but the residences around office buildings are getting fuller and fuller. Young professionals are moving back in. They left. Everybody left because it was cheaper, and now they're coming back in. Sort of counterintuitive, isn't it? It is now time for Handle in the House Whisper, House Whisper with, Gene, with Dean Sharp. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, Bill. All right. Oh, we got a lot to talk about. Actually, we probably only have one topic to talk about, but there's a lot to it. And that is attack of the killer bees. Yes. Now, one uh, the reason uh, I already promoted that you happen to have a lot of expertise in this field and can talk not only on an academic level, but also on an exper experiential level, because you are the only person I have ever met that is a beekeeper. Uh, well... You need to get out more. But, yes, I am a beekeeper. I'm sitting here actually uh, in our home studio, and there's about uh, 60,000 buzzing ladies, you know, about 20, 30 feet away from me. Now, anybody who would be looking at that, particularly my daughter, Barbara, who is scared to death of bees, I mean, gets panicked, uh, you're clearly not. And so uh, a little bit about the reality of bees. Uh, they attack. They're dangerous. You move around. Uh, the Africanized bees, that if you just blink, they're going to attack you? Yeah, not exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're trying to separate here, the fact from the fiction. Because, you know, there's been the, the, this uh, incident in Encino that's been in the news. And I think last week there was an incident in Pasadena. And so I've seen a lot of news outlets handling this very, in my opinion, kind of irresponsibly, not having all the facts, not really referring to the experts. Not that I'm an expert. I'm a novice, but I do have a lot of uh, understanding in this area because I've been doing it for quite a while. But I actually, when these things started to happen, reached out to the experts that uh, I work with all the time, people I've had on the show as well. One, Keith Roberts, the uh, former uh, president of the Los Angeles Beekeepers Association, uh, and uh, and then Nicole Palladino, who runs Bee Catcher, she's a conservation biologist, and she has, in my opinion, the best bee removal and rehoming business in Southern California. So the point is, I reached out to them. I'm like, hey, guys, is this what I think it is or is it something else? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's what you think it is, Dean. And basically what this is, is there are, Bill, there are Africanized bees in Southern California. There have been Africanized bees in Southern California since the early 90s when genetically that gene pool eventually made its way up here from South America. So this is nothing new, but we've had a really rainy winter. 
we've had a really mild spring. We are experiencing, in terms of plant life, a super bloom that we haven't seen in years and years and years. This is great, and it's great for the bees. So we're seeing a lot of bee activity. And along with that, there are going to be, you know, a couple of incidents with people uh, on the wrong side of an Africanized colony or doing the wrong things with them. My concern is that uh, <clears throat> when it gets reported in the news that a swarm of bees has attacked this person, that's not true. Swarms don't attack. And so those are the kinds of things that uh, I'd like to talk to you about so we can just kind of uh, you know, clear the air. And uh, here's, here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see all of Southern California go back on its heels onto an anti-bee posture again, because we need them so desperately. And this is such a fantastic banner year for bees, unless we freak out and kill them all. Let's start with uh, the, uh, the concept that swarms don't attack. Really? Uh, really? No, really. Here's 4, the 4,000 bees hitting you at one time. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's not, that's not a swarm. Yeah, not, not the case, actually. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, a swarm in, in bee parlance, in bee biology, is not just, quote unquote, a group of bees. Okay, A swarm is when a hive, an existing colony, separates into two hives and half of that colony leaves its home behind to go search for another home. When they do that, they are literally homeless. This is a massive group of bees, could be 15, 20,000 bees or so. They are looking for a new home with their old queen. They are thinking about one thing, finding a new home. They are on reserves. All they have is the food that's in their belly. They are trying to conserve energy and scout for a new place to live. When a swarm is flying through the air, uh, you could, and I'm not telling people to do this intentionally, but you could, and people have, I have before, stand in the center of a swarm that is flying from one place to the next. Bees might even be hitting your back or hitting your arms, and you are not getting stung. If you're not swatting at them, you're not getting stung because they don't care about you. The last thing on their mind is being aggressive toward human beings. Number one, bees only get aggressive when they have a home to defend, and guess what? <laughs> they have no home. So that is what an actual swarm is. Now, a colony that has already taken up residence somewhere, they will send out, if they feel like they're being threatened, they'll send out attack parties, okay? Uh, uh, and uh, a European colony, the typical docile European honeybee, they may send out, you know, half a dozen, maybe five or six bees to kind of fend you off and get them away, get you away from uh, the hive. An Africanized colony, and here's the problem, they will send out, you know, 50, maybe even 100 bees, okay? Not thousands, not a swarm. This is actually uh, an attack party that is defending hmm. an upset hive somewhere. Ooh, so I'm just making some distinctions here. Wow, that, that actually is fascinating. Wow, wow. I didn't know how you describe the difference between a colony and a swarm. Very interesting stuff. And for those people that just missed the last segment, uh, play it back. Uh, we're on demand. Uh, go to just go to the iHeartRadio app, and you'll see how that works. Uh, the last half hour of this show—it's really interesting stuff. For some reason, you really got me on that one, uh, because Dean, a lot of the time I'm just you know looking up, and my eyes are rolling, and that's eh, fine uh, with you. But this nice, huh? But oh, this great, time around, great. yeah. Thanks, uh, Bill. Pardon? 
Always <laughs> move on. Just uh, so move on. I'm a huge fan. So <clears throat> uh, I had asked you, since you are a beekeeper, uh, a yeah. amateur beekeeper, uh, what is the difference uh, in terms of what the bees do in terms of pollination? Because do you just enjoy 60,000 bees buzzing around your house for no reason? Uh, no, no. I mean, uh, oh, you mean what's the difference for our home? Yeah, not your only, uh, not only your home, but uh, well, let me put it this way: tell me about professional beekeepers and what they do and how they operate, because it's a thing. Uh, you hire beekeepers. Yeah, yeah. Now, most professional beekeepers are linked up to the agricultural industry, commercial agriculture, because you know, like for instance, in California, we are the world's, you know, uh, almond suppliers, right? Uh, almonds, 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 everywhere in Central California. There are zero almonds without honeybees. Zero almonds. So. There's a lot of agriculture tied directly to them. Sometimes you'll see you know, like semi trucks loaded with uh, beehives that are being relocated, rented out essentially uh, during the spring, during pollination times to uh, large commercial agriculture. And, you know, they're a keystone species. That means without them, everything collapses. About a third of the produce sitting at the uh, store right now at the supermarket is bee dependent. So that's professional beekeeping in that sense it's tied to agriculture amateur beekeepers novice beekeepers we just love it and uh it's also benefiting everything you know my entire town because uh, a beehive has a foraging uh radius of about four miles so we're talking about a you know a, a, a diameter circle around my home of about eight miles of wildflowers and various other fruiting plants that all my neighbors have in their yards that uh, that my bees are responsible for pollinating. What if you didn't have the bees at your place? Would there be a substantial decrease in uh, the number of flowers and the fruit trees, et cetera? Well, I think the, the reality is there are a lot, a lot of feral hives, feral colonies, being just they're on their own, you know, all over the place, all over the Southern California, everywhere. Uh, and so when you see bees in your yard, they probably these days don't you know aren't necessarily coming from a uh, an amateur beekeeper they're just out there uh, out there in nature but what amateur beekeeping does is number one it just uh, makes everybody more aware uh number two because i keep the bees in other words i watch out for them i watch over our colony i'm actually able to watch this colony to make sure it doesn't become Africanized, which can happen. Okay. So, so uh, everybody who is amateur beekeeping all throughout Southern California is assisting the entire region in the sense that these are hives that are being watched over, safeguarded from becoming uh, aggressive hives. And that's one thing that you can't guarantee with a feral hive out there in nature because, you know, most are not, the vast majority are not aggressive Africanized. Uh, but there are some, and uh, sometimes there's no stopping it from happening. All right. Now, we've heard and I've read about this, uh, about uh, that the, the bees have been decimated by this bee disease. Uh, have they come back or is that a, still a real problem? Uh, they are coming back. Uh, they are coming back. In fact, we talked about this uh, a couple months ago on the show. Uh, conditions have been good uh, just lately. And, uh, and we are starting to figure out on the agricultural side, it's not a disease, uh, although there are mites that are an issue for bees these days, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, what it essentially has been 
are uh, uh, certain uh, chemicals related to commercial agriculture that have messed up their navigation systems. And so colony collapse disorder is about bees that can't get back and don't get back home. And when that happens, uh, the, the colonies collapse because bees, you know, I'm not going to bore you with this, but when a honeybee goes foraging and leaves the hive, they are on a specific assignment to go to a specific set of flowers, a specific distance and bearing away from the hive. They only have enough mm. fuel for a one-way flight to get there. So if anything goes wrong uh, on that pathway, they're not coming home. Fascinating stuff. Oh, what are you going to talk about this weekend? I'm assuming bees too. Uh, actually, uh, I'm going to talk about bees on both shows just because, again, I want our listeners to be more informed since it's been in the news recently. Okay. But this weekend, we're doing DIY, should you, could you? Uh, in other words, looking at projects around the house and asking the big question, is this really a DIY project that you should tackle? All right. Uh, this Saturday, 6 to 8 a.m., Sunday, 9 a.m. to 12. We'll catch you this weekend, Dean. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. All right, coming up, Gary and Shannon. Uh, Shannon, what's going on with you this morning? Well, Al Pacino's having another baby at 83. He's still got it. AI poses a risk of, of extinction on par with nukes. So that's something to look forward to. Also, Elizabeth Holmes is going into the pokey, and people are already lining up to be her friend. Yeah, I saw her going in, and, you know, she was she didn't seem like uh, she was upset about it. A lot of smiling, very happy camper, 11 years. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, nothing to do there, you know. Yeah. She uh, doesn't have any um, profit loss statements doesn't to, to submit. None right. of that. Coming up, Gary and Shannon from 9 to 1. Uh, have a good show, uh, Shannon. Thank you, sir. This is KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You've been listening to The Bill Handel Show. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.